Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Sit normally. High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. This is a special edition podcast. I try to do these every once in a while. Our last special edition podcast is with David McKinnon. If you don't know who that is, he recently just got called up to the majors after spending time in AAA Salt Lake and absolutely killing it out there, becoming the PCL player of the month for the month of May. So if you haven't checked that one out, definitely do so. Uh, the title says David McKinnon on it. And if you're interested who this guy in the dugout who looks like Thor uh, is, then definitely check out that podcast. You can look it up anywhere you are getting this podcast. So this special podcast is with the Athletics' Sam Blum. He is the Angels beat writer for the Athletic. You can always follow him on Twitter at SamBlum3. Uh, like I mentioned before, with a lot of the beat writers, Jeff Fletcher, Rhett Bollinger, Sam Blum, check them out. Follow them on Twitter. Set your your phone to alert so anything anything that happens angel related it goes straight to your phone but we have a really good time talking about angels baseball in this interview so like i mentioned follow sam at sam blum three on twitter here's the interview with the athletics sam blum i like to welcome first time guests to the all angels podcast you probably read his stuff you should read his stuff on the athletic and that's sam blum sam how are you doing today I'm doing well. I appreciate that. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm doing good because as we record this, the Angels just finished taking four or five, which it sounds sounds weird to say in general, four or five from Seattle, uh, up in Seattle this last weekend. But I want to talk about kind of earlier in the year when everything was going right, with everything was kind of clicking on all cylinders. Was there anything during that time where you thought to yourself, well, all right, this is great, but if X happens, this can be a whole different story? Um, yes, but it isn't the things that ended up happening that kind of created this, this mess. I mean, I, I really think, I mean, and part of it is starting pitching. I kind of felt like if you're going to have a six man rotation, you need to have a lot of depth in not only those six guys, but also minor league guys that can kind of come in and fill in or, you know, guys that can kind of help out if there's players that were ineffective. And so I thought that might be an issue that could cause, you know, some losing, later in the season, you know, obviously Reed Detmers threw that no hitter and, um, you know, but every other start, he's kind of been up and down and, 
you know, they didn't, the, the sixth starter with Suarez kind of being uh, ineffective. There was, I thought that could be an issue for them. Didn't think the offense would kind of go as cold as it has. It continues to be to some extent. Um, and, um, you know, didn't foresee Rendon getting hurt for the whole year. Some things that I, I think have kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, didn't think the manager would get fired. Didn't see 14 games in a row, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's you know, it's that's why you know, it's why it's baseball. There's a lot of stuff you can't really predict, but you know, I still think their rotation is an issue at this point. Um, you know, they have some good players, some good pitchers, but if you're gonna have six guys, which they really need, uh, you know, for Otani, for Lorenzen, for Syndergaard, you know, you really got to have uh, more in the reserves. Kenny Rosenberg is pretty good on Sunday, so that's a good sign if he can kind of stay there and maybe pitch pitch well. But um, you know, it's it, it's a it's kind of tough to uh, to kind of pick spot starts twice a week at this point which is where they are and you kind of mentioned it right there as far as and this is probably the biggest news of the season so far maybe even more so than the 14 game losing streak to kind of go hand in hand is the firing of joe madden uh leading up to that they were already i believe it was that the losing streak was at 12 when it actually happened um was there any kind of like even hints or not ideas but like was there any kind of like murmurs going around that this might happen no, and I think it was just the nature of how quickly this losing streak happened uh, is why it was just it came out of almost came out of nowhere. I think the players were really surprised. I think Joe, uh, if you watched ESPN Sunday Night Baseball last week, they mentioned he had a mohawk that morning. Yeah. So I think it came out of nowhere for him to, um, you know, I think when you really kind of break down why it happened and what the comments were from both Madden and Perry Manazian after. The fact, I think you can kind of see that this wasn't just about losing 12 in a row, which is where they were at the time. And it was more about, to some extent, I think, you know, Joe had his philosophy of he doesn't, you know, he doesn't view. And I, I think the word analytics is a buzzword. It doesn't really mean anything. And it's kind of used as a cliche. But to some extent, I think he felt like there was too much, you know, maybe mandates from the front office in terms of how to handle things, how to use players. Um, and obviously Joe is very autonomous manager, someone who's won a world series, someone who's been doing it for, you know, decades at this point. So I think that may have not been really, did not really mesh all that well with someone like Perry, who's in his second year as a GM, um, you know, who, who's obviously does not have that cachet that Joe Madden has simply because he just hasn't been doing it long enough. And so it's, it might be tough for those kind of guys to like really be on the same page at all times or really feel comfortable with each other. Uh, it's not about whether they like each other or not. I think it was clear that they did like each other, but it's more about how you work together. And I think when you look at what they said afterward, it might have been that this was the best f- situation for for Perry to kind of have a manager that's more his kind of his ilk, uh, which, you know, whether that's Nevin or somebody else after this year, we'll, we'll kind of find out. Do you think, in your opinion, because Joe is kind of, like you said, set in his ways and he has, you know, idea how he wants to run anything, do you think he gets another managerial job in the future? I think that his, his name will be floated out, assuming he, I mean, he says he wants to do it. Um, right. I imagine he's genuine when he says that. I think he'll, you know, just like you see uh, uh, Mike Sosha's name come up, you'll probably see Joe Girardi's name come back up. You know, uh, even Brad Ausmus, right? I'm all these. <laughs> I mean, it's like all these guys always come up in every, you know, Buck Showalter was in everybody's, you know, candidate pool up until he ended up getting this Mets job. Um, same thing with maybe Dusty Baker. I just, and then these guys who are kind of, kind of done it, who have had a lot of success doing it, I think 
there's always an intrigue. You know, one thing when I asked him about it, he said it would have to be the right fit. I don't know if that means he's like, hey, I'll go manage Pittsburgh Pirates next year. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to do something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think whoever gets him has to understand that you're getting a guy who's going to do things his own way, who's, you know, yeah, I think with Madden, my perception of him was he didn't always have all the answers when it came to, like, injury stuff or, you know, right. nitty-gritty reasonings and things like that. But I think he was good at keeping a good vibe in the clubhouse, keeping things relaxed, having players want to play, show up every day. Those are the things that I think you – know, having both is obviously ideal, but um, – you know, I think uh, he was strong in one area and maybe weak in areas that I think were much more valuable to someone like Perry. And let me ask you this question, because you are, you know, obviously part of the, of the press and you, 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 you know, Jeff Fletcher, uh, uh, Red Bollinger, those you guys are in the in the clubhouse and talk to the managers after the game. How much do you feel like a responsibility it is for? Because I hear this all the time from like fans that they are not being open with, you know, you guys that in turn turn it to us. How much responsibility do you think the franchise has to be completely open with, you know, injuries or why certain moves were happening, whether roster or like in game? I mean, listen, I think they should always be open and honest. I mean, what's the point of asking questions if you're not going to be honest about it? Um, you know, there are certain things. Man, I could probably go off here, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, I mean, listen, when it comes to injuries, I don't always think that things that are wrong are being, are, are, I don't think that when they're wrong, like, that they're being untruthful. You know what I mean? Especially last year, I felt like a lot of those injuries, like Mike saying Mike's going to be out six to eight weeks. I don't think they thought he'd be out the whole year. Um, I don't think they thought when Rendon went out with a hamstring injury last year, that it was going to turn into a hip surgery that he would miss the rest of the season. You know, I think there are things that injuries can kind of, you know, spiral on you a little bit. They can change. It's not an exact science every single time. Although science is always the way to kind of solve these issues. But, yeah, I mean, when they're talking about why moves were made, you know, injuries, things that they can provide, you know, I mean, even just last week um, with Rendon having his his wrist injury, you know, they played that as it was not a very big deal when he went when he left the game in L.A. that he'd be, you know, possibly day to day. And then after he was announced for being out, out, out for the season, just two or three days later, it was kind of the message was, well, this was a, you know, he's got this issue in his wrist and you know, we were kind of hoping to avoid it. So which one is it? Was it that you thought he was completely right. okay or, and that he might just need a couple of days or was it that you knew this was, in, this injury was kind of formulating and it was possible that he would have to miss the season. So, you know, I don't know the timeline of every single thing that went into it, but I do think that when you ask a question, you should try that the, the responsibility is to answer the question, honestly. Um, and if you can't, then just say you can't say you can't answer it, but don't uh, don't say things that aren't accurate. So I'm not accusing anyone of, of doing that or saying something that wasn't accurate because I don't know the full time on it. I was not in Seattle the past couple of days, but I do think that it's especially with with injury stuff. It's important for people to to be getting the full information, the truth, the facts. Um, so you know, I uh, you know, I don't I don't ever feel like people are uh, really hiding things. I understand that there's dynamics and there's certain things they can only say at certain times and. And that's part of every major league team. And I don't think the Angels are anomalous in that way. I just, you know, I would love to see someone like Artie Moreno do a press conference. Or right. You know, things like that, I think, are important to be transparent. You know, talk about where you think the club is. Uh, you know, credit to Perry for coming out. And when they fired Joe and being honest, I thought that was the most honest and, you know, uh, really, you know, emotional in the way he kind of portrayed the reasoning for it. And, 
and talking about the way he felt about having to make a decision like that, I, I appreciated that, you know. Um, and so I think that's that's the kind of stuff I'd love to see a lot of, you know. Just and I think the fans want to see it. To answer your yes. main question, I mean, I'm not here to for me to get answers. Uh, I'm here for fans to get answers. So that's that's the only purpose I serve in this entire you know dynamic here is to is to be a medium of some kind from from the team to what the fans want to know. And um, that's how I look at it. When fans you know blow up my Twitter on certain things, <laughs> they want to know, I try I try my best. If I think it's fair to ask about it and to get answers about it because I you know. Fans know this better, know this whole thing probably better than I do. To be honest, I've only been here for now one year, and next week is like one year. So, yeah, and that's the thing too. Like I mentioned, because it, it hasn't been a like just a recent thing. It's kind of that's kind of been a thing for for a few years now. As far as one day they say a guy's day to day, and then two weeks later it's oh he's having you know season ending surgery. So, and it always comes back. Why aren't they truthful? And then like you mentioned, sometimes the the facts change as. You know, swelling goes down. They figure out it's something more than just what they originally thought, or or whatever the case may be. So, obviously, Phil Nevin now has been in in the managerial spot for about two weeks now. Has there been any kind of major difference you can see while you're there between how Madden ran things compared to how Nevin's running things? Um. It does not feel like there's a huge, huge difference, right? Like you look at the way that players are being used, there isn't like significant differences. Um, at least I, you know, don't. I mean, I thought it was odd when we saw like Tyler Wade play center field instead of Brandon Knight a couple weeks ago. Things like that, uh, you know, you maybe deal with in your first week of kind of figuring out how guys could or should be used or what the best way to use them. Um, in terms of how he communicates, uh, you know, I think Phil is not going to put players down, which I understand. I think that's a style for certain managers to like, you know, to deal with things internally. And when you, maybe when we ask about them, they're not going to, you know, they'll be honest, but not necessarily uh, degrading. So I, I actually think, I actually really liked the way Phil's kind of handled his job so far as it relates to us. I think he's been pretty, been pretty good, pretty good. Uh, have, you know, thoughtful answers to questions. Doesn't take, offense to questions um so i think he's done the job well too uh you know kind of did not seem to get too down after the first couple losses when he started didn't really like get too rattled by that you know i was impressed by his very first game when he came out and uh you know pat uh, uh jose suarez on the chest and was like just go get that last down and then he struck out trevor story i think players like that i think players respond to that i think that was not not accidental for him to go out there and show that, hey, I'm supporting you. I'm, I'm believing in you to get this out right now. And that's the kind of thing that I think feed, players will feed off of, you know, as opposed to, hey, I'm coming out to the mound to tell you to walk in a guy with the bases loaded. <laughs> right, where, I think, yeah. where I think if you're Austin Warren, and you kind of, we, I remember talking to Austin after that game, it just, he was like, like, what? Why? Happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and that's the kind of thing I, that I think rattles a player when you have a guy like Nevin come out and say, Hey, go get this guy. We know that you might not be the best matchup, but we believe in you. That I think, you know, it's more than just that one game and just that one batter and one out. And I, you know, I like that. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's going to be growing pains, things you don't understand. You know, there's been times where I thought he could, bunt, he could have called for a bunt, uh, you know, in that very, I think it was the very first game when they had the winning run at second base with Wade and it was tied in the ninth. I mean, why are you not bunting when you, it made, it would have made no sense to not to right. avoid bunting. So there, there are certain things you don't like, but then there are certain things I really have liked. Um, and I think he's, he's been good. Uh, you know, we'll see if it stays though. 
Yeah, I think that's part of the thing you mentioned before, the kind of the growing pains. The first time being in a major league manager, at, you know, obviously at this at this level. And then, too, something that you, I noticed, I don't know if you guys saw because you in the press box, is that when he did do that with Suarez, the camera cut to Archie Bradley, who was warming up to, to come in for Suarez. And when he saw that he was staying, he was kind of like nodding his head like, OK, this is how we ride now. Like almost like like you mentioned, it's, it's not just for this moment, but it seems like it's not only just for that player. It looks like that confidence kind of got put into other players that weren't even really involved in it, too. And that's something that really kind of came across the, the screen when they're showing Archie and his response to him leaving Suarez in and stuff like that. So I think that's a positive for sure. Yeah. One, one of the things that I've had trouble kind of putting my finger on this whole season just again from the outside looking in, not really talking to any of the players, not really, you know, obviously never going into work where you guys go. But who do you feel is the leader of this clubhouse? Who's the leader of the clubhouse as far as, you know, is there a person out, out there that will call someone out? Like the manager might not do it, but is there a player somewhere in, in the roster that will, you know, be the hard ass to, to use, you know, kind of blunt? It's tough to, I mean, it's the kind of question that's been broached a little bit, but it's tough. I mean, I know Mike has talked about being more of a leader this year, especially with Albert gone, um, and that he feels that responsibility. Now, is he the kind of guy that's going to go and call somebody out? It's really tough. I don't want to assign things to players that I don't know for sure what they do or what they don't do. I think that you see guys in the clubhouse, and there are probably different leaders in different ways in that clubhouse, like a guy like Archie Bradley. He's really vocal. Uh, he's really personable. You know, he's got a boisterous personality that I think probably is a rubs off really well on people that, you know, he's been around and when he says things, people will listen. Um, you know, you have a guy like Kurt Suzuki, who's been around for a really long time, who's a good leader, probably of, of a pitching staff. You know, I know everyone has criticisms and very fair <laughs> of, of his defense, of his offense, which aren't good, just stating a fact there. Um, but you know, I think there's some value in having him around for those purposes, whether or not that means he should be a major league catcher, I think is a reasonable debate. Um, you know, I think that then you have, um, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Matt Duffy, Aaron Loop, guys who have been around who, you know, are people that players will listen to. I'm sure like someone like Rysel Iglesias is really quiet. I don't know. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to go and, you know, call people out but he's obviously the leader of that bullpen and you know bullpen uh where he might be able to relate to some of those players really well um you know there's young hispanic players that don't speak english that he might you know that that group kind of might rally around the work that he's done over the last couple years here to become one of the more dominant relievers in baseball so you know i think there are probably different types of leaders in that clubhouse i'm not sure if there's anyone that kind of gathers a team meeting and yells um but i don't necessarily know that's what is needed to break a losing streak like the one that was broken. I, I do agree that when I saw this team during that streak, it it always felt weird that they were on it. Cause I, they, you know, when, when the players and coaches were like, this team is still together, this team is, I actually kind of did believe that. Like it never really felt like there was um, a lack of effort to some extent. You know, I think that players were really struggling uh, and still are. I mean, there's, I mean, Mike Trout carried them through that last yeah. year. Uh, <laughs> four wins on Mike Trout. That. Yeah, four game-winning home runs. And, uh, you know, obviously there was good pitching and it's, you know, the team played better. There's no doubt over those last, this last weekend. But, uh, you know, there's still issues. But, uh, you know, it's, um, it really did feel like this group was still that same team that was winning earlier just wasn't winning. Yeah, I think that was the frustrating part as a fan, at least, was the fact that 
you felt like all the for the most part it was all the same pieces like yeah you you know trout missed a little time or ward missed a little time but it wasn't really a huge overall like different you know lineup day in and day out you still had your your regulars in there for a big part of that 14 14 game losing streak and it just yeah it, it was good it's good to hear that you a guy that's actually in it can say like yeah they were still competing they were still trying there wasn't kind of a uh, a debbie downer kind of moment for those guys and stuff like that during that streak one of the big things coming into next season is obviously the Shohei Otani. Uh, obviously, he's under control for one more year, but after that, it's the free agent year. Are they going to want to get something done before that? And we actually have a question about kind of free agency and about that from a viewer. So here it is. Uh, this is Nick from Orange, and I was calling to ask what you think the uh, what do you think the Angels will do in the twenty twenty three off season with it. Um, if they were to assign Otani to an extension, then where would they go in free agency? Would they look for a new shortstop, and would they spend? And um, do you think they would finally go over the luxury tax after a couple of years of failure? Um, you might think they would. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really good question. And so I think that the Otani situation is going to be really tough for the Angels. Um if they were to spend what it will cost to keep Shohei Otani, um, probably, you know, it's, it's tough. It, whether if he wants like a four year deal, it'll probably be like 50, 55 million a year to, to keep him. Ooh. If it's going to be like a six, seven, he wants a long-term deal. I don't know if he's going to be able to get that type of average uh, valuation, but whatever it costs to keep him, they're going to be spending a lot of money. And then you already have Mike Trout and you already have Anthony Rendon and you already have Rysel Iglesias. And the reality is all four of those players are probably not going to be as good after 2023 as they are right now. And so if you're looking at a team right now that isn't already is now three games below 500, and it's below 500 because they don't have the pieces around them to some extent. I mean, we're seeing that right now in the way that the bottom of this lineup has kind of become something of a black hole where they're just not scoring. There's not a good, you know, the offense isn't good enough. Uh, defense at times isn't good enough. It's just right now there, there just needs to be a couple more players. And so when you spend really big and you're and then you don't go over the luxury tax and your payrolls run 188, it puts you at a disadvantage against teams like the Mets who have dealt with injuries this year, right? <laughs> Look at the yeah. Mets. I mean, we just saw them last weekend. They've dealt with injuries to their two best pitchers, honestly, the three best pitchers, and yet they're still 20 games above 500. And that's because this team is spending like 20, you know, uh, 280 million. And that's because they can fill in holes. They have depth. They have guys that can kind of, hey, that, that can that can kind of win for them even when somebody goes down. And so the Angels having what looks like a historically bad contract right now in, in Anthony Rendon, it just it makes it tougher. How do you really build a roster if you're going to have to spend, you know, 90% of a luxury tax to some extent <laughs> on, on four or five players? It's really tough. So the Angels are kind of in a situation where they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, as it relates to Otani, unless they were to go over the luxury tax. But I think everything we know about Artie Moreno, which is, from my perspective, very little. But one thing I do know is that over over the lockout, he was one of the four owners against uh, raising the luxury tax. And I think yep. that was because that was too stymie spending from the teams that he knows will spend more than him. Right? I mean, that's right. that's the way I view it. Uh, you know, I would love to ask him, but if you're going to do something like that, then, hey, the reality is if the perception of it is we'd like for the teams like the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers to not be spending exorbitantly more than I want to, I being already. Yeah. And um, 
what he wants to spend is probably what he is spending right now, which is 188 to some, you know, give or take. So it's going to be tough if the Angels really want to keep Otani, which I'm sure they do. How do you kind of build a roster around it, and how do you account for the fact that Otani's probably not going to be the same incredible player in three years or two years? Yeah, two or three years that he is right now at age, you know, he's turning 28 next week. I think um, it's going to be tough. Tough to kind of pitch and hit. I don't, you know, I know everything he's doing already is unprecedented, so I wouldn't count him out from being good at this in four or five years, but I think it's tough to imagine that he's going to be, you know, injury-free and completely, you know, the same player that we saw last year and have seen, you know, for most of this season. And that's my biggest thing, too, I've said, is that the worst thing the Angels could do is sign Otani to, like, a six-year mega deal because he's a two-way player, and then three years into the deal, something happens, and now he has to just focus on, one side of the ball and is he going to be that good of a pitcher is he going to be that good of a hitter it, it's and it kind of scares me a little bit that they're going to be caught up in a huge contract and Otani will be good but just not to the number that he's going to have on his contract kind of deal then like you mentioned you can't now spend extra money on a shortstop that the angels really need or a second baseman the angels really need so that's I mean, definitely- there are three games below 500 right now i mean that's the reality they're not like a dominant team in major league baseball right now and these guys are in the, all in their primes Mm-hmm. This one, this is this is when you get a guy like Anthony Rendon for a seven-year deal, and the hope is he's good for four of those years, right? I mean, right. the reality is you, you sign people for longer than you think they're going to be good because that's how you sign really good players. But you know, the fact is that we're now th- well after this season, we'll be three years into that Rendon deal, and, and nothing. to get nothing out of it. Yeah. And is he really going to be really good next year? Is he going to be good for the last four years of that contract? I mean, you better hope he's at least replacement level when it gets toward the end of it and that he's you know healthy and that he's productive to some extent because they're really going to need something out of that 38 million a year that they're paying him and you and you mentioned too a little bit earlier about the lack of like seems like overall organizational depth when it comes into like the minor leagues like it would be great to have like some kind of hot shot third base prospect right now that you could bring up and be like okay well anthony's down and we can put this new you know um future star in the lineup they don't have that right now and that kind of leads to like the trade deadline how much do you think the angels are will be active in the trade line trade deadline whether it's you know buying or selling because either way if you sell off your your guys you you are going to replenish that that farm system a little bit but then if you start buying that farm system that looks like it's kind of on its way up especially with the double a team winning what they do uh, winning the uh, their division the first half uh yesterday but then you start selling, getting rid of some of those guys. So, like, where do you think the Angels are when it comes to like the trade deadline right now? God, I saw yesterday that the, the Rocket City clinching a playoff spot was the first Angels affiliate since yeah. 2017. I mean, that that tells you everything you need to know. I think in a lot of ways, um, as it relates to the trade deadline, it's uh, I think I think it's a little early to really know exactly because you have to evaluate where you are this year. The Angels are right now four and a half games out of a playoff spot. Um, so, you know, whether uh, or not uh, they really go all in, I think depends on how they're going to do the next month. You know, it's pretty obvious. I think that's kind of how it's it's going to have to play out. Um, you know, there are obvious holes to fill. Third base is one. Uh, shortstop. Second base. <laughs> Second base. Everyone yeah. feel this up for first. You'll get David Fletcher back, um, but which David Fletcher are you going to get back? You know, because what we saw before in the end of last season and obviously the beginning of this season is it's just he's not enough of a productive offensive player. He might balance out a lineup pretty well with like, you know, having good contact guy in there. But, you know, having him and and Velazquez play every day, that's just not good enough offense, at least from what we've seen. Um, 
having Jack Mayfield or Matt Duffy or whoever at third, not good enough. It's just, you know, these guys, are, they don't bring any power um, and they don't bring kind of the ability to play every day at a high level. They're good players, but it's, it's, but can you survive as a playoff team with that infield? I don't think so. So it's, it's a matter of if they're in a position to make the playoffs in the end of July, what will they do? Um, and should they trade off some of these prospects? It's, you know, you have to, I mean, that's the only way to, to, to get guys at the deadline, but uh, it's not a great system. I mean, I think that double A is, is, and I give credit to the you know current front office for drafting a lot of good pitchers that have made this, uh, uh, you know, this team finally make a playoff run uh, in the minor league affiliates. I mean, they have good pitching, but they need other, they need no, they need more. I think it's telling that they've called up guys from double A this year because there just isn't anyone in triple A that they felt like was really going to be the right person to help them. Uh, you get a guy like Dylan Thomas, who you basically have one punch with, and he get you know one one day of playing, um, and then that's that's all the use you have for him. So they just kind of have these guys in AAA that they don't really see as part of their future, um, and it's tough. You know, it's tough to kind of win without a lot of organizational depth. Uh, but it, they do have enough in terms of guys maybe in some of the lower levels and and up and comers that I think project well enough where they could trade. And, and get good and get a good player in return, or they could trade someone like Joe Adele, you know, who's kind of seeming like he doesn't really have a. This is not working out as a fit for him. I mean, it just doesn't seem like it right now. So maybe there's a better spot for him, and maybe another team will feel like they can kind of harness all the potential he has. Uh, he's his value isn't extremely high, but his value is high enough where if they feel like they can get something back that helps him get to the playoffs, it's worth at least trying. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark going into this trade deadline time like i said at the end of the next month but how much value because of joe's struggles and how much you know he's been up and down how much value do you think he has as far as getting a big time target or is he just going to be like kind of a side piece to a bigger package um i mean i think he's probably pretty highly rated enough where he can get a good player back i mean if this had been done over the offseason it'd probably be a little bit more significant because the struggles that he's had are concerning, I would think, to a lot of teams. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it depends on what you want in return. I mean, do you want, like, a, a ace-level pitcher? He's probably not enough. But if you want, like, a good middle-of-the-rotation pitcher or a decent shortstop from a team that just wants to get rid of someone on a one-year deal, maybe it makes sense. You know, maybe he maybe he's, he's the right guy. So there's a lot of factors that go into determining – what, how much value a player has like you might be able to get an ace level pitcher for joe adele but that pitcher might only have two months of left Control. on the deal so you know there's there, there are certain things that are a play yeah and that's what scares me too that i feel like they'll go in and the next thing you know um the organization that the minor leagues will be exactly where they were uh you know not too long ago so last question before i let you go um Thank you again, uh, Sam, for your time and and uh, jumping on here and everything like that. Um, but my last question is: Do you feel there is a path to the playoffs with this team right now? With this team right now, I think there is a path. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of of certain guys playing better. Um, you know, you need Shohei to hit a little better. You and then you hate putting more on him. Uh, <laughs> but that's the reality. I mean, that's yep. that's the reality. If you build the team that you build, you need these guys to be to that level uh, consistently. Mike Trout's been doing it. Um, he's got 21 home runs as we sit here on Monday. He's been insanely good. Um, 
I think you need redemers to step up. You need him to be reliable. You need Noah Syndergaard to be reliable, healthy. Michael Lorenzen, reliable, healthy, like Patrick Sandoval. And then you got to hope that there's one or two other guys in that rotation that can kind of be good enough that you don't necessarily expect them to win every time they go out, but they're good enough or they can win sometimes. Uh, Aaron Loop has to be good. Ryan Tapera has to be good. I mean, these guys just like that have been unreliable at times um, for long stretches. That needs to get worked out. So there's a path, I think, um, even if guys like Velazquez or, or you know, um, Renjifo don't hit and they aren't hitting right now, even if that – I still think that they could be good enough. That pitching has to be a little bit better. And, you know, you just got to see the big boy step up and have, like, all-star level second halves. I think that's the way it gets there. Uh, you know, you have the extra playoff team. But there's this, just the extra playoff team. I mean, there are teams – I mean, the White Sox are all – the Red Sox, the Guardians, they're all competing for that. Yeah, the Rangers, even the Rangers are competing for it. So, you know, everyone's kind of in that mix and, and you got to be that one team. And so what's, what's it going to take? I mean, it's going to take people playing above their level right now. And they have been, they put themselves in this position. I mean, it's just the reality you lose 14 games in a row, right. you're not going to make the playoffs. And so the fact that they're even in it is somewhat of an accomplishment, but it's, it's going to take a lot to get to dig themselves out of the hole that they put themselves in, which was unprecedented and insane. Yeah, especially with that third wild card spot for the first year of that. I guess it's good timing because if this was happening last year, the 14-game losing streak, there would be absolutely no way they would uh, be even close to a playoff spot. But because of that thir- third wild card, uh, there's still a little bit of a breath left in that chance. So I guess I guess that's the fortunate part for uh, Angel fans right now. But Sam, thanks again. I really, really appreciate you jumping on. Now I can say I got all the beat writers on the podcast um, <laughs> this year. So so there you go. I got the... I got Fletch earlier this year when um, he was doing his book. Okay. Yeah, he, then, hopes, he loves sharing about his book. Everyone go, <laughs> buy, everyone go buy Jeff Fletcher's book on there you go. his Twitter. He's a good guy, so I want everyone to buy his book. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we had Fletch on, then Red's been on here a number of times. So, yeah, now I got, now I got all three of the beat writers, and and that's, uh, that's, that's fun. That's cool to get everyone's opinion about what's going on with Angels baseball because you guys, honestly, it's cool. You guys are in it. You guys know more than us fans because you're there every day or close to every day, and now this year, especially with you guys being back, let back into a locker room, it's always a, a – cool to get this information out there so definitely if you're not um subscribe to the athletic do it now uh sam writes for the athletic he does a great great job and there's a bunch of other stuff too ken rosenthal i mean i can go on about this the, the writers the baseball writers are uh you know connected to the athletic so definitely sam thank you again very much for uh taking some time out and chatting angels baseball anytime i appreciate it i'll talk to you later today's episode of the all angels podcast is brought to you by sports Drink your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like SportsDrink without the vowels. And I want to thank Sam once again for jumping on the podcast and giving up some of his time to talk about Angels baseball. And like, I really like his point of view of things. He's he's very, very open and honest. And you can tell in the podcast, there are some things that he wanted to go into detail, more detail about, but just couldn't. And maybe that's a, a, a different, different opportunity another time to try to get a little bit more deeper into that. But Remember, follow Sam Blum on Twitter at Sam Blum 3 and read his stuff on The Athletic. He does a very, very good job uh, at that. So 
Obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you heard a voicemail call, ask a question to Sam, and you can do that yourself too by just calling in at 951-384-0810. But again, do that. Ask me a question. Have a hot take. Whatever you want, that's what it's there for for the fans. So again, check out Sam Blum's work on The Athletic. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode of the All Angels Podcast. We're recording it Thursday after this Royal Series off day Thursday. So we'll record it Thursday, come out Friday to preview, uh, review the Royals uh, Series and talk about the upcoming Seattle Series. So hopefully you enjoy it again. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Halo underscore Haven is our social media feeds. And if you can write a review for you Apple users, we greatly appreciate it. Um, it'll show that this hard work is paying off and really appreciate all the, all the love and all the, the, the follows and subscribers and all that stuff. So you guys have been awesome over this last couple seasons. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the all angels podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. And this has been another edition of the all angels podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.